0: How does working at a haunted house one day help you land a gig with a former president? Right place, right time?
1: Uh, I'm Mike. And I'm Lance. And you are listening to Right Place, Right Time. Welcome back. Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, the awesome theme song from Mitch Murder that we're using for the show. I I fucking love that. I love that song. Super cool. Um, We're excited. Episode two of the show. We're back. We're back. Yeah. Um, How was your week? My week's been pretty good, man. Honestly, I took
0: it it easy this week. Like... I know everyone goes, look, like, the new year. You want to jump right in, attack the goals. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going back to the gym. Even going to the gym this week, it was like, there's so many people in there. I was like, you guys are going to last. They're <laughs> not going to stay around. <laughs> <laughs> like, two days later, I was like, well, there's no one in here now.
1: <laughs> I felt the same way because I was riding the bike. Yeah. I was doing the whole bike ride thing, and... You, all right, You're pretty consistent with that. So you must see that
0: transition around exactly. the January too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. What happens is it's like the, when you go to park, it, all the cars start to line up and you're just mm. like, fuck. Is you're like trying to find a parking yeah. spot. And then I have on my bike, I don't know if you know this, but on my bike, I actually have like a little analog bell, like a bing, bing, bing you know what i mean and it's my favorite fucking thing to use for people yeah. that are on their phone because yeah. i'll come up right behind them and go bing, 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 and then they almost will jump off the dam <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of my favorite thing in the world to do <laughs> just a little light harassment yeah <laughs> just like a bicycle terrorist <laughs> uh, but yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh guilty feeling folks mm. that are out there yeah. Uh, running around but yeah. power to them for leaving the house you know right and then
0: there's a cool thing that happens where you start to notice the people who stick around mm-hmm. right because it's not like you're gatekeeping it's not like you're walking around that space going ha. but you see those people that come back and you're like fuck I'm, I'm gonna come back next week too i'm gonna come back in here tomorrow too so i was in here yeah and you start to get that familiarity like back on the east coast is where i first noticed this where we go to the gym more regularly and you would start to to see the same people all the time you get like the nod and the wave like, hey how you doing how was your holiday It was good and i think having that that kind of
1: familiarity in the in different spaces in life is nice mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i agree man and but you know in general we've been talking about this we talked we started talking about this on the first show and for those of you just sort of catching up and listening for the first time uh, our new podcast is about essentially the sort of the right place right time thing that we all hear about Mm -hmm. consistently right and we hear about this all the time i got how'd you get this sweet fucking apartment well i Mm -hmm. happened to be in line at the coffee shop and the guy and i heard the guy talking on the phone and i was in the right place right time and i sort of made that connection or you know how did you get that gig and it's like well i jumped in the elevator with this person who Mm -hmm. i got along with or like how'd you get front row tickets for metallica and like And we hear this story consistently, and oftentimes, I hear this thing as sort of a weapon. It almost Mm. feels like a weapon where people aren't letting you in, and they're just sort of like, well, you got to find yourself at the right place, right time. And it's just like, okay, is this real? Is this not fucking real? And uh, that's why we started the show. We really want to meet with people, talk with people about their right place, right time, if they've had Mm. this moment, sort of get to the root of it. And is this something that we can be aware of when it's happening, and can we put ourselves in more situations where we find ourselves at the right place at the right time
0: right i actually heard one this week that I thought was really interesting um i was talking to some buddies about these different video game series and one of the stories ended up coming across was how uh, this game kingdom hearts came to life the disney interactive company had gotten a new building Mm -hmm. um if I'm, if I'm messing up any of these details, someone say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Disney Interactive and then Square Soft before Square Enix wound up in the same building. Oh, weird. And this guy had this idea, and you always hear about the elevator pitch, and he just happened to find himself in the elevator with the, the president for Disney Interactive, and he just fucking pitched it real fast. And the guy was like, I love that. Yeah, let's do it. And so then they went and got the guy who was in charge of creating all the character designs for Squaresoft and was like, here's what we're thinking. What can you do with Donald and Goofy? And like, this guy's got this idea for this new character and this new story, blah, blah. blah and it's going to be like merging this game series with Disney stuff. And like, kids are going to love it. And they fucking did it. And it worked. All because the guy just, they, they just happened to be in the right place, at the right time. There's the elevator. Here's the opportunity. And fuck it. went for it. Hmm. So then I also wonder then, right, when we look at right place, right time. How often do you go for it? Like, how many times do you have those opportunities and you go,
1: ah, nah, I don't, I can't do it, or you get nervous, right? What mindset? What mindset can you put yourself in mm-hmm. in order to be able to jump on that? Yeah. We talked a little bit about that in the first episode, Mm -hmm. where you were talking about being in the car with, uh, what's her name, the executive, Juliana, right? And and how it took you fucking up another car, ride to sort of understand Mm -hmm. what your mindset needed to be to be in that conversation. But we'll get into all that. What's exciting about today is that we're joined in studio by a guest. He's sitting on our plush couch in our suite setup that we have here. (laughs) And our guest today, I've been friends with him for a while now and we have been trying to get you on the other show mm-hmm. but
2: uh you know we need guests for this show <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm any port in a storm for me nobody's asking me so joining
1: us in the space <laughs> is our buddy nick nick palo here how are you buddy i'm doing well how are you guys
2: doing, Good, Good doing all Good. right
1: nick has been
2: you're a bit of everything dude right? i yeah this is uh i'm all over the place uh in fact, McDonald's drive through totally empty the last couple of days. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Pretty awesome. No, uh, yeah, no, I'm all over the place. I do a whole bunch of stuff. So I, that was kind of uh, in debating how we get me on a podcast in general. Is this like, what would we even talk about? Because there's a bunch of hyphens and none of them are super solidified all the time. We're finally getting to a space right now where I think I have some things to talk about. So yeah, we're... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're in good shape. It's this is my first full freelance year. Yeah, nice. Uh, congrats. Not my highest dollar year, but my first full freelance year, so congrats, that you got to have that year first, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know, turning pandemic into a business, figuring out what my new model is and mm. a lot of it's animation stuff and yes. But you know it's uh, well. You came into town initially for for acting, right? Wasn't that what the initial was? So I came into town because I had too many threads in my hand to not pull on them and see what would happen. Mm. Uh, what does that mean? It's just uh, I. I think when you talk about if we're talking about right place, right time, it's oftentimes people talk about it as if it's one thing, and if you miss it, that was your there's a million of them that will happen and it's just a right place, right time, right person, right skill, right mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a million right things. And I think people talk about right time, right place as uh, sometimes it's gatekeeping, but sometimes it's also defensive of like, here's why I haven't had mine because I haven't had the right place, right uh, time. Very true.
1: Very true. And I,
2: I think uh, I've certainly probably missed a few mm-hmm. and also everything great I've ever done has been because of a right place, right time also. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had a couple of those set up. Uh, I was in New York before LA, and uh, you know, I, without going like too far back, and but like literally every step of my entire life post college has been right place, right time. So I could name a f- shitload of them.
1: Well, let's start. Let's start. Of okay, course, yeah, okay. that's, Let, that's what start. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start. What is the what is the first pivotal? right place, right time.
2: The you. first pivotal right place, right time is I was at art school at a now defunct, the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, which is closed because of all the fraud they did. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I not mean to laugh. No, I, I that's, <laughs> that's what it is. It doesn't exist anymore. None of them do. You
1: gave me this look like fuck off. <laughs>
2: no, 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 no. I, I love saying it that way. I just, it's all I have. They have my money and I have I can say that. <laughs> yeah. So, Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at it. No. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was going there For graphic design, and a friend was like, "We're all applying to work at a haunted house," and this is in Pittsburgh. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And uh, had you never done something like that before? uh, I grew up in a house where we decorated for Halloween to the point where, like, we'd be in the local paper because there were (laughs) (laughs) shit. There was like we'd full have full dummies hanging from basketball hoops, and you know, like ghosts and trees, and it was not normal, but it was, uh, you know, it was in the in the early two thousands, there was this in late nineties, really with the rise of like GeoCities internet, there were people sharing how they do Halloween <laughs> and <laughs> how they build haunted houses in their backyard. And my mom wasn't making haunted houses, but she globbed onto those websites and just started like decorating hardcore oh, uh, cool. for Halloween. So I have
0: like the house where you're a your kid trick or treating. You're like a half
2: to stop there. Yeah. 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 So it was, uh, it was, it was like a family affair at that point. And, uh, so when I went to the haunted house, it was very normal for me to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it turned into acting versus, and then like we were begging to work there in any other capacity. Cause it was a permanent location. So there was work to do all year. Mm-hmm. So we're like, I would love to sweep, please let me do anything here, mm-hmm. minimum wage, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we ended up uh, my friend, Matt and I ended up uh, being given the wonderful duty of mopping an entire cement parking garage (laughs) uh for because they were going to be filming a zombie music video in it and they just needed some of the dirt gone (laughs) (laughs) it was a thankless task but they did let us help up help set up a dolly track too which we'd never touched anything production wise so uh, we were just like hey go do this and we did it and that was like that moment plants like five other seeds like somebody you meet at this music video i end up working with at a news station after college because he was a producer there and i end up working there and then at the news station we both find the platform vine while bored on a night shift and we start playing with vine together he blows up big my other friend rob blows up big on vine i'm doing okay. I think I'd capped around like 25,000 followers when followers weren't much of a thing yet. Yeah. And uh, that was how I would then meet Gina, which is how I meet you guys, which is a whole nother thread of those things. But I go from Vine then to I go, oh, people... Resonate something resonates about what I'm doing comedically with people. Maybe I should try quote unquote real comedy in New York. Uh-huh. So I quit the news cause I hate the news. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just doing motion graphics for like local ass news uh-huh. and then go to New York, start doing improv and stand up there still fall into things right place, right time, even in mm-hmm. that realm, because in uh, working at the news, there was a, uh, somebody who did stand up there, a uh, great author. So Pandeb. Uh, he uh basically lied me into a comedy club because he's like, you got to do stand up on the CBS News Night, and I was like, because I was then. Wh- Sorry, I'm ahead of. My- There's so many things. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's
1: fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with you here. Yeah, I'm yeah, with yeah. you, I'm with you. So hold on, finish yeah, that yeah. thought, and then I'll okay. pull you back. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I I I land in New York, and I have to pay bills, so I go back to the news. But this time I'm national, so I'm at CBS News, uh-huh. and we launch uh, CBSN, their like streaming network there. Mm. And uh, so we're working like long hours there, but they were having like a comedy showcase for people who only work at CBS News at one weird. of the clubs in New York. Oh, okay. And he just says, like, my friend does UCB. He doesn't have any footage, but he's a really funny stand-up. I had never done stand-up before, <laughs> so they put me up at Gotham for a night, and I went way over my time, and the never was never welcomed back. <laughs> uh, like all kinds of weird shit like that, <laughs> and it all sort of, you know. Okay. All right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so l- 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 yeah. All right. I-,
1: I like how we projected here, but go all the way back. Right. All so, the way back. So like your, your mom does a haunted house bit. Yes. Right. And so then you hear about this haunted house thing that's being set up. And how did you, how did you get the uh, initial gig to mop the floor?
2: So this, all of that started just because some other students were like, they hire college students to be actors. Mm-hmm. and that was the precedent for us going and I was just an actor the first year there. Yeah. And then basically like as an actor was like, "Hey, can we help with anything?" and that's when it was like, "Well, you could sweep, I guess." <laughs> and we're like, "Okay," cuz we're just like dumb kids that they're yeah. letting do something, but mm-hmm. they I don't think they realized how persistent we would be in like all right is there is there anything else that needs to be swept and they're like uh you know kind of chill out dude but uh, so you swept it all it's all been
0: swept (laughs) yeah we
2: just kept on sweeping until finally they were like well there's a box of nails over there you think you could like put those in that board and eventually it turned into hey this room needs to be covered with blood here's you know Mm -hmm. an air compressor and a hopper and a gun and you're just gonna shoot blood everywhere and so like those things escalate until finally you're given like a clean room and they're like we just need this room to be covered with human skin and you're like great they're like here's a box of the skin and so those things like slow rolled over a few years where we got more and more trust mm-hmm. and
0: uh yeah. did you start out as a when you got the job were you already interested in acting or did that job sort of pique the interest for you
2: so i had done high school musicals mm-hmm. uh and that was i thought the peak of i was like i'm interested in well, unfortunately, at the time, attention. And I'm also yeah. interested. <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. That's before therapy and stuff. Yeah. But like, I was like, I'm interested in this attention. I seem to be able to pick something up and people mm-hmm. are like, hey, you're good at that. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I wasn't like interested in the spotlight previous to that, but mm. it. The Little taste, I was like, Oh, okay, I'll got a little yeah. bit of that crack. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and honestly, like when
0: you're young, hearing I would say, even still now, when you hear from other people, uh, that you're good at something, mm-hmm. especially if you're not, you don't really like you're not setting out to be sure. good at it, you just, oh, I enjoy this. Somebody goes, Oh, you're good at that thing, When you get praised for it, you go, Oh, shit, should I keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I keep doing this, I'll take more pictures, I'll try to tell more jokes. I think there's certain things that's harder to keep going, though, right? Like if somebody says you're funny. It's fucking hard to like then keep that thing going because you like hit that point where you bomb or you hit the point where you don't get the laugh and you're like,
2: oh fuck. Sure. Well, the side note, I love bombing. (laughs)
3: but
0: that's maybe
2: something else to go into but i love bombing i was gonna say you went over
0: that night did you bomb on that night or was it going so good for you you just kept
2: going i did not bomb for the gotham set the gotham set i bought the tape from the guy ripping people off in the back filming them for 20 bucks you can get your footage and that's their whole racket is hey we don't have anybody to book this night so we're gonna book an industry night with like and we're a sell theme yeah. sell tickets to their friends and then sell you the footage mm. scumbags sure but yeah. that is the system like especially yeah. New York at the time is that was the system I don't know what they're doing right now because I haven't done stand-up since I did acid but we'll talk about that maybe too <laughs> 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 but we don't have to no uh, absolutely want to hear that story uh, but uh Uh, Oh, where was I? Oh, bombing. Yeah. Uh, Bombing is awesome and maybe is part of the being able to like hang on to all these creative endeavors at the same time, waiting for something to maybe happen, Mm, having things that don't happen. Like maybe that's the same thing as like sort of enjoying the bomb is like I don't enjoy the disappointment of opportunities falling through or missing one or failing at it but I am a glutton for the punishment at the very least. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, that is in some way a superpower at the end, you know, it doesn't feel it like it feels a,
1: like a superpower. Eventually sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. When
2: you, when you when have the ability off. to go, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah.
1: and we get to laugh. I mean, I kind of do that when I have all my negative reviews, we yeah. actually go through the process of being mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really affect me. So this is a lot of fun. Sure. Like, yeah. This it's, is a lot uh,
2: fun. it's if you can have fun with that stuff, it's, uh, it's not deflection. You are seeing it face to face. You're probably absorbing the notes that feel worthwhile, but you mm-hmm. can tell when notes are not worthwhile <laughs> as a yeah. creative person. You go, okay, well, you either don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Contextually, this the notes don't work for what I was doing, like whatever the thing is. If, if you're a reasonable person, hopefully you can parse through those things. But it is hard because people throw the negativity way easier mm-hmm. than they throw the positivity.
1: But you also have to be in a place where you understand, right? For me, the notes that resonated with me are the ones that hurt the yeah. most. Oh. I already beat myself up about them. Mm-hmm. Like So there's a moment where I go, eh, I did a bad job on this. And then someone resonates it and I go, oh, I've already beat myself up mm-hmm. about this. So it doesn't... What you're saying, you haven't opened my eyes to something new. It's not sure. like I don't already know I fucked that up. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get through that. And I think once you put yourself in that mindset to be able to bomb and, and go through that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then you're kind of indestructible at that point.
2: Yeah, I think uh, something that I admire about you can tell when creative people are even bored during the creative process and start creating sub games for themselves. Like I'm going to deliver you the best quality I can in this form, but there's gonna be a little bit for me in here somewhere. I I tend to be in that realm, so I appreciate when you can tell someone is putting in a joke for themselves. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's bombing and you can tell they start having more fun, mm-hmm. it's because they're going, This is the stage that's set for me. Now The only person I'm gonna entertain is me. I may as well have some fun with it. Like, (laughs) I love seeing somebody get through that and then still like walk off stage and be like, "That was crazy, right?" Like, like, I do too, man. It's tough to see somebody with the life sucked out of them after, and I, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I could be that guy. I. The chaos kind of lights something weird inside of me, though, where I'm like, all right, well, the stakes that I thought mattered here no longer matter because the worst thing that could happen to me on this stage, bombing, has happened. Yeah. Now nothing worse can happen. Yeah, right. it's a great. Maybe way to somebody it. could punch me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd have to go pretty far.
1: <laughs> but that's interesting because that's kind of like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. when you're in that situation, how do you process the wrong place, wrong right, wrong time? And how do you have it not derail you? And mm-hmm. how do you have it not just you know suck the air out of whatever mission that you were on? Yeah. Well, okay. I
2: think it, at that point I don't know if it like I your point I I agree with but also maybe it's different place, different time. This is not the place I thought I'd be. And this is not the time I thought I'd be here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't make something, a memory out of it, mm-hmm. or maybe a, you'll yeah. learn something. Like, even if it's just, Oh, all my jokes are trash. I got to like, or maybe this crowd, these jokes weren't meant for whatever you can pull from any of that stuff. I don't think it's necessarily the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I just think it's uh, you can't plan anything creative. Like you you can plan and you should, and then you should plan to, replan and plan to pivot and plan to you know these are yeah. things that most creative people have come across of like things don't work out the way you wanted and the ability to improvise is the job the job yeah yeah, yeah. so you
0: actually and an, I'm not going to give the joke away here unless you're going to do it but you told me a joke or bit you had about uh, Nintendo that I thought was so mm. brilliant in a way to just like what you're talking about but like being able to pivot having the, the opportunity for you out I remember you explaining it was so clever as a way of like, if the joke kills, this thing works perfectly. If the joke bombs, this thing still works perfectly. So there's no loss.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, I'm sure there are comedians who have drawn out full flow charts of like, Mm -hmm. if the crowd doesn't respond to my crowd work, here's what I'll say. Like, I'm sure somebody has mapped that stuff out. Mm -hmm. I think naturally, at least I would, you'd find a joke like, oh, that joke didn't work, but the joke previous to it did work maybe I can tag it. Maybe I can call something back and then save the joke that bombed earlier. And I may not recite it the same way next time, Mm -hmm. but now I have a tag in my head for if something doesn't work. So to your example, there was a joke about Nintendo cartridges and like life and wishing you could just like blow in something to fix it. Like you could an old cartridge. The joke was horrible. It (laughs) bombed. (laughs) But if any other joke after that bombed, I could just blow into a microphone (laughs) and make it better.
3: (laughs) It's so clever. (laughs) This
2: this was not something I used for long because I found that planning for success was better and then recouping if I had to was better than planning for it to bomb. So I didn't do that kind of stuff for too long. But to start, it was a very good tool and a great way to learn that like... Listen, if I want to do crowd work and say, hey, anybody here work in business and not a single person says yes, you go, good. Or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah, right. you just you have, you have to plan for both yeah. versions yeah, yeah, yeah. so that you will remain funny no matter what happens. But yeah, that's like
1: It's an interesting So what's fascinating about that is that you it seems like when you decide that you're gonna go down that route and you're gonna put your ass on the line. Because yeah. that's essentially what you're doing. You're putting your naked ass on the fucking line. And when you discover sort of that hack, right, that ability to be like, well, I've got multiple plans to get out of this space. Yeah. And what's going on? Side note, what's going on right now is I'm listening to Heat 2, the 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 book for Michael Mann's sequel to Heat. Okay, yeah. And it's all about criminals that are, like, planning, like, backdoor stuff and having, like, multiple mm-hmm. plans. But it's the same kind of fucking deal right sure. here where you suddenly figure this hack out. And do you feel like that hack also goes into your regular life? Like, are you using those same skills to get your way out also, when you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go do this normal thing," but just in case something fucks up, I've got a backup plan. Are you able to pivot the same way in real life?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I've I've kind of always done that naturally, and it's never uh, it's never like an escape plan from embarrassment. It's simply a. Uh, it, a way to land on my feet. Like I was supposed to move into college to the art Institute of Pittsburgh. Now defunct schooled because of the fraud. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love that you've made it like the slogan <laughs> for that. Yeah.
2: Because of the fraud. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going there with a friend from high school. They had like a recruiter come and like sell us this dream in an English Mm -hmm. class to one day. Like they just came in to talk to us and we were both like, we should go visit the school. We did without parents, Mm -hmm. signed paperwork. That was part of the fraud. They were having kids sign stuff without anybody around. Holy shit. And, uh, but, uh, (laughs) so we were supposed to move together and, uh, we were five days out. And this dude bails and he's like, I have to stay home because I'm in love with this girl. Turns out the girl was one of my ex-girlfriends. Pretty Uh, cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Is that
0: her right place, right time?
2: You know, she didn't even like him. He was staying (laughs) for somebody. (laughs) So that's my, that's what I take from it. But, uh, so he goes off, does what he does. I'm like, well, I still have to go to school, so I'm like panicking, trying to find a roommate. And I was like, this will never happen to me again. And right. every major move I've done, because I've lived in a few cities now, if I'm going with somebody else, I always kind of have a or I could live with this guy I know in there, in that town, or or I could. I'm also shopping for one bedrooms in case they like. It's it's a parachute, but it's never to save myself. Like it's not like oh, like when I was single, like. If this girl says no, I'm I got a response to make it seem like I didn't really want to ask her out. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not it's not yeah. right, right. it's not that it's
1: or, or every roommate, you're like, What do you think of my girlfriend? Do you think she's hot? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Answer correctly. Is she the kind of woman you could fall in love with? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? (laughs) Don't worry, she won't like you anyway. Even if you stay, Uh, (laughs) crazy. But honestly, like every big step I've made now is like, all right. Well, in my back pocket, I'm still going to do this, whether like. There's a little bit of codependence of, like, let's do this together, but there's a little bit of independence going, but I'm going to do it without you, too. (laughs) And so uh, I think I head into most things with a mindset of, like, I'm going to do this no matter what, and I would really love to have a friend with me for it, Mm -hmm. but... You know not that's everybody's going to follow through the same way I will, so yeah.
0: And you're taking the, the experience you're having that you know teaches you a lot of fear, and then like you're what, like 17, 18 at that point. So it's yep. you know that's a, that's a blow to take to your your social sphere around you, and then you being able to use that and go, Okay, here's what I won't allow to happen anymore, and then what are the steps I take, right? So I think it's like similar to what we were talking about before with like when you're trying to put yourself in those positions, like here's where I failed, how do I adjust to that thing, even though like in that moment, not really about your failure it's your, it's your friend mm-hmm. but it's still like analyzing the situation you find yourself in and go okay what can i do differently like, yeah how do i safeguard myself is that is that
2: just like do you think it's mostly fear-based or is it like what, what would you call that i think it's 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 a survival thing i'm not really afraid of it happening mm-hmm. because I know that well. I'll just make it work no matter what, if I I'll do whatever I got to do. If I got to live in some guy's closet for 50 bucks, <laughs> I guess that's what I would have done. Fortunately I didn't have to do any of that. Like, mm-hmm. but I knew that I was just, if, if I put my mind to something, it's, it, you know, in some regard, especially location moving for opportunity, I'm, mm-hmm. I've made up my mind mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I, am I'm happy to bring people along with me, but, if they don't want to come, they don't want to come. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So it's not, yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I'm just, it's kind of like, okay, dude, well, I'm going, so bye. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it has been. But I fortunately have not really run into that. I've moved cities with people. Every time I've moved cities, I've moved with other people and they've been other people who are either tapped out on the city they were in as well as I was or chasing opportunity. Um. So I think it's, it's good to find those people to like make the landing softer. Yes, yes. But, but if you can't guarantee it, you know again any port in a storm so
1: yeah well dude it's great because you yeah. have this forward momentum at this yep. point right and where do you think that forward momentum started for you
2: um it's hard to pinpoint because i've sort of had multiple careers in the capital c uh career sense. so mm-hmm. because i was in news locally that's a place where everybody says, oh, well, I always said I was going to leave too. And I've been here for 25 years. <laughs> right. And I go, fuck you. I'm not going to be you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the worst thing you could say to me if you want to retain me is like, you're going to get trapped here. I go, okay, well, goodbye. Yeah. Man. And uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I quit the news and then I left to go do comedy and then I ended up in the news again, the golden handcuffs as I've referred to the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was working overnight shifts in New York, 9 or 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, for a couple of years and that, you know, that could have been my career and I could have, I eventually did bargain my way into a dead day shift. It was cushy, most money maybe I'll ever make. I have no idea, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't worth it. I wasn't, I still was miserable. I was just writing out Donald Trump tweets every day. Like I just couldn't do it. So Mm. I uh, sometimes the only way to break those golden cuffs is to, separate yourself. And I already had a couple leads for LA and I got up and left. Um, and this was a, this was probably the biggest right place, right time for me is as far as me transitioning from news where I was already considered successful, mm-hmm. the move to Hollywood, which was a restart and okay, you got to grind again, you got to pay dues again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd already done this for 10 years. I was in an improv class and because I was working these overnights, it allowed me to have a flexible comedy schedule, which is why I did it for so long. So you were in an improv class in New York. I was in improv class at UCB in New York. Yep. And i like Wednesdays at like 2 p.m., something most people can't do because of day jobs. So I would sleep in movie theaters. I had the movie pass at the time. I'd go in, swipe my card, go into the intern, watch a bit of it take a nap leave <laughs> i was i was sleeping in a movie theater almost every day for a while in Boy. new york oh, shit. and uh because i had those night shifts but i'd have to kill time between shows or practices for mm. improv um and in that improv class on wednesdays there was this older man sitting in the corner kind of quiet kind of hanging out funny but like darker sense of humor than the youth in there And that's the kind of guy where I'm in that room and I'm like, I'm interested in who the hell that guy is. Mm -hmm. says some inappropriate things sometimes as far as the youth are concerned, (laughs) but he's doing so comedic with comedy in his heart, loving his heart. And I'm like, I got to figure out who this, I got to talk to this guy. So we just started talking and I had no idea who he was. And, I don't know how UCB and improv and stuff is in LA. I'm sure people are Googling each other, but we were not doing that in New York. It was just, you're funny, (laughs) let's start a team. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you don't know who anybody is. And uh, we had these really, really wild interactions for a while where he's like breaking down my comedy in ways that people, don't do in an improv class in a way where you're like, oh, well, thanks for saying that guy. But he's just the guy in my improv class. I don't know. I'm like, a guy's giving me notes, but they're good. So cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, so the dude, uh, he's like, hey, is there like any extracurricular improv going on? Like another team or something? Because he's just like, I want to be around comedians. I don't need stage time. I just want to be around funny people. I like being around funny people. So we start a practice group. Which you just like practice in the middle of the day, hire a coach, purchase studio space to like, or rent rather. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and you just practice or whatever as your troop. And uh, once I got everybody's email addresses, it became clear this man was not just anybody. He was uh, Stuart Kornfeld, who made The Fly, Elephant Man, uh, Dodgeball, every Ben Stiller movie after 2000. Four, like shit. a big hitter, but he was just hanging out, hiding in New York, uh, doing cancer treatments before he'd, he ultimately passed in 2020. Um, yeah, right, right, yeah, but it was like kind of a holy shit, Stuart, who, what, like, because he was just happy to hang out and be invisible, which he couldn't do at UCB in LA, probably, yeah, right, because everybody would have known, yeah, he would have gotten right. hounded, so he was just hanging out, wanted to like be around funny people while getting treatments and stuff. And so we started hanging out outside of that and getting lunch and whatever and talking about stuff. And, uh, it was a weird little, like, I think that there were, uh, Stuart Kornfeld was a, uh, a nurturer of creatives in a way that most people are not, especially at the level he was at, but that his resume speaks to it is, you know, mm. he's literally the guy who handed David Lynch over for elephant man. Cause he saw he raised her head and, and was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. we gotta do something with this guy. Yeah. hands it to Mel Brooks. And, uh, so it was, uh, he, he's had a lot of people that he has mentored. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to say I'm a Stuart Kornfeld guy is not necessarily true in the same sense as other people who have amazing careers and stuff. I got, I feel very fortunate to have experienced Stuart Kornfeld, the life mentor, not the work mentor, Interesting. Mm-hmm. the man processing his own death. The man saying, if you're going to LA to fill the hole, you're not going to find it there. If you can do anything else that will make you happy, please do it. Mm. But if you can't find anything else, if this is what you want, what you think you're born to do, then I wish you luck. And you have, you have the ability to do it. I hope that you use it and are able to capitalize on it. But also he was a guy who was seeing Hollywood change. He was seeing movies being made. Now he's seeing content being made and Mm. he wasn't pretentious about it, but he knew that what he used to do is done. Mm. He was a guy who's like 90 day fiance has better storylines than half the TV shows you watch. If you sit down and watch it, the people making the show, like the people on the show, whatever Mm -hmm. the producers setting up crazy situations. Cool. The story that they tell with the footage they have, whether it's true, whether it's whatever it is, Mm -hmm. some of the most compelling storytelling that he thought in modern television, he's like, it goes up against any other show that you love right now. And that for me was like a big eye opening pretentiousness drop of like, oh, the man who made Elephant Man is telling me to watch 90 Day Fiancé because all entertainment is valid. If people like mm. it, that's what it's for. Mm. It's the escape, make it for them. And do it in a way that you can be proud of. And for me, that was what made me feel like maybe I could do LA because I did not feel like it was a place for me in almost any other sense anymore. In the 80s, I probably would have killed it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I would have gotten into some weird album art and I probably would have been like drawn like crazy, trippy, you know, people ripping their faces off for a metal band and whatever, like what, horror movies, all of these things with practical effects, things I would have been interested in. And when I was moving here, it was under the idea that I would be a comedy writer, mm. maybe acting, but I never mm. saw myself as a guy who sits in a room full of people that look like me and going, maybe I'm the one like yeah, yeah, yeah. that grind is not for me. I'm the guy who has worked with somebody enough where they go, Nick can do this. Yeah, And mm-hmm. that is where I've always put my, I've always banked on the people who like got to know me creatively and not banked on them because that means I'm expecting it, but Uh, I've banked on my ability to pick things up, say yes, be in the right place, right time. That is my job is to be in the right place at the right time, have the mindset they needed because it's hard to find someone to say yes to this thing or whatever. Like, yes, you do a lot of shit work. You do a lot of free work and you do a lot of hard work and you deal with crazy people. But we are all here in the entertainment industry to serve crazy people until we get to be the crazy person who has it's all the crazy people working for us.
1: <laughs> it's such a great quote. I was thinking that re- like I was, I think I was in the shower the other day and for some reason my brain was just going to all these crazy fucking people that I've worked under have been like, it's, it's very specific to this business.
2: Yeah. And if you don't think you're nuts, like somebody's going to be like this fucking guy, like yeah, he's out, yeah. like, you know, he wants to change the lighting after whatever. Cause well, but it's all, for whatever your mission is. Like mm-hmm. when you're at the top of it, your decisions feel yes. You, like you cannot feel the repercussions of every decision you make mm-hmm. of like, uh, there's a really great, I'm going to pu- plug another podcast. I have no connections to do it. Do it. Uh, if you've listened to the dead eyes podcast, Connor Ratliff, a comedian who had really approached serious acting and, uh, he was a uh, book for band of brothers and Tom Hanks was directing and a note comes through. He was on set, and a note comes through from somebody that shouldn't have told him the note. Tom Hanks goes, recast, that guy has dead eyes. It comes back to him. Tom Hanks thinks you have dead eyes. Holy shit. This man, uh, he, he was the UCB improv guy, and uh, he's very talented, very funny. He turned this into a podcast a few years later. Oh, and, I'd heard about this. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Worth digging into, because a spoiler alert skip five seconds ahead if you don't want to hear it (laughs) by the end of season three he gets to sit down with tom hanks and talk about it Mm -hmm. after just asking people about their moments like that and like Mm. approaching people that he could approach in hollywood and being like tell me your rejection stories that's what it was really about was healing by hearing other people's stories never i could get tom hanks on here yeah but he worked his way up and word got around enough that like he gets to have that healing moment when you're at the top and you're the crazy person making the decisions, what that really all comes down to is Tom Hanks doesn't know that he's making a note that's going to ruin somebody's yeah. a th- few years of their career mm-hmm. and self esteem. He's making a quick decision. And then he's like, and then why do we have all these things over here? What's, what's all this about? We need to clear the space for what, like yeah, he's right. moved on. Yeah. yeah. Right. Those crazy. And I use the term crazy always, almost always uh, affectionately. Especially when talking about what we do, is like you got to be crazy and then you have to make quick decisions. And mm-hmm. then somebody's going to go, I just put up all these lights <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. I got to stay late. And but like, yeah, right. We all do that mm-hmm. job because we want to do the crazy, crazy person job. job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to sit there like, yes, you want to be the sensitive person who's like, I worked in fast food. I don't want to be mean to the fast food guy. Same thing applies to the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. You want to be nice to everybody, but. If you make a creative decision that has a ripple effect, everybody just sort of accepts it because, of course, you wouldn't want your creativity limited at the top either. Sure, sure, mm.
1: sure. Fascinating. Okay, so so you see this guy yeah. in this comedy group that you're in, and then you talk to him, find out all this, find mm-hmm. out who he is. Yeah, yeah. And then do you just go, I'm going to go to LA? Is it because of meeting him is the catalyst for moving? It's
2: it's a, it's a two year, uh, friendship that is super unloaded because for me, it was not a possibility until I really talked to him more. And even then it was, I, I didn't know really why I was coming out here. I just knew that I had tapped New York for like the people who knew who I was and knew what I did, wanted me to do that only. And that is what happens in entertainment is when you're when you have all those hyphenates, the last one that they saw you do is what you do. When I was doing stand-up, it's hey, how's stand-up going? Mm-hmm. When it's another thing, it's hey, how's that going? But nobody's nobody can really absorb that you are working on a ton of different things mm-hmm. all the time. And even still people don't really know what I do because of that because I'm animating stuff. I'm like I'm doing like text motion graphics for podcast promos. I'm doing I did a, a huge tribute for De La Soul this past year with Questlove. Like nice. it was because uh, they had a member pass um, and wanted to sort of celebrate their music releasing because it'd been in a vault for years and years and years. So we did like 20 minutes of like text-based animation of friends talking about their music and influence and stuff. So I'm doing everything from like essentially audiogram mm-hmm. animations to, uh, oh, I can't, uh, you know, to like, some 3d animation to some,
1: uh, I saw you pause. Yeah. I saw you you pause there because you're you're not allowed to talk about something. I'm not allowed to talk about the most exciting one. Unfortunately. I Uh, saw you pause
2: there. (laughs) He's he's doing something really exciting. I want to, it's this week, so I can't, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, even like earlier this year, I did something with like the Clinton, the Clinton foundation for Mm -hmm. like their huge event. I just like, cause I worked on a, quest love podcast that bill clinton guested on and they were like we like those graphics we need that guy to do something for our event like talk about right place
1: right time again right right place
2: right time it's it's all these weirdo connections that would never happen otherwise but it's to me logical of like of course they wouldn't organically fall Mm -hmm. upon nick poloey this guy who's animating weird stuff and painting sometimes horrific imagery like I, don't, I do I do too many things like how are they going to find me and know to target me yeah, for that Bill thing. Bill Clinton's like yeah. following you
1: he's just like like like, like. <laughs> How do you
0: come across Questlove? Like how, do, how does that dot get connected for you?
2: So because of Vine years and years earlier there mm-hmm. was somebody that I knew from Vine who has always just sort of sent me freelance opportunities when she saw them because I think her partner is a motion graphics guy anything he passed up on he'd be like you know, she would ask me if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, so there was this very mysterious, we need somebody to fill in for a podcast for iHeartRadio mm-hmm. to just like handle overflow on promos. And uh, I didn't know what it would be for. I said, yes. And it just turned out to be a Mariah Carey guest episode of <laughs> QLS, the, his, his podcast. So, uh, and then like, I was just to fill in for like a year and that was through the pandemic. It was just like once in a while it would pay a bill. And then the way I had, I started off doing it templated like they were. I was just using their files. And as I re- recurred uh, with them, I would start doing deeper and deeper dives on like pop culture callouts, specifically hip hop mm-hmm. callouts, album covers. I would just like do little nods to things. Mostly, again, to entertain myself while doing something that isn't that exciting, which is just Mm. writing out someone's words. Mm -hmm. So if they mention a Tupac album, I'm going to go to the music video from that album and call out something from within the video for the people who are, like, paying attention. They can go, oh, my God, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. It won't be for everybody, but it was my sub game. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I guess as, like, nerds, they sort of clocked that and were like, this guy is, like, doing a little bit extra and we like that he is nerding out with us while we're talking about nerdy hip hop stuff. And so was this all animated.
1: Were you just animating? The yeah. Stuff? This
2: is all just like 2d animation after effects. Uh, and normally it's just like popping text in and out and then like doing a smiley face when people say something funny or whatever. But I was adding to that. Nice. And uh, so eventually they started asking me for, for me more and more. And I just became like the regular guy until eventually you know a bigger company goes why are we spending all this money on an animator and Mm, then you get phased Mm -hmm. out but so now i get called for like bigger episodes of like this one will have some visibility we want to have some cool stuff in it and so that's where i'll get that call to yeah to jump back in and so i hadn't been called in quite a while but then when that clinton one came through they were just it was going to be posted on multiple profiles they just wanted it to look good and but Mm -hmm. and so basically they're like Hey, we want kind of want to try something that's like a little cooler than what we normally do. We just want to like refresh things a little bit, and we want to take a chance on like this animation style you do and see what we can do with like a narration bit from mm-hmm. the president, and then y- you will just do the rest. And th- honestly, it was like no notes project. That's I got to do nice, whatever I want. Nice. That's
1: wild. I would, I, especially I, for that client.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I got to show you sometime the boards I gave them first because they were insane. I gave them like Pink Floyd kind of abstract visuals. And obviously mm-hmm. they were like, we got to pull this back. <laughs> but because I think because I get, I over delivered on the imagination at first, when I yeah. pulled back, they were like, we are comfortable here and we would love to take this ride with you and we trust you because we don't do this kind of thing. Yeah. That's Sometimes great. you hit a client who you, very unexpectedly is just like, we like what you did and we just want you to do it. Yeah. I've, yeah. had, I've had a few of those occasions oh, they're they're great You, mm-hmm. but you can't get too used to it because no no yeah. because
1: then the one that you think is going to be that shows <laughs> yeah. up and then they're fucking just sticking it and you're mm-hmm. in your fucking in your back the whole time oh oh can you do this adjustment last minute every fucking yeah. five minutes and you're just like how much
3: are you paying me god
1: yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah it's, that's uh, the other podcast but yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful too hearing hearing those little anecdotes of, of times where you come across that client right because it's a you come across so many of the other ones that you start to forget that like mm-hmm. there will be the times when you go to work and when you get in the car afterwards you go oh, i fucking love this job so much you know <laughs> like those times still can happen yeah okay. i think you i gotta
1: balance out mike's uh mike cynicism <laughs> 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 well oh, okay all right hold on let me let me put the pump the brakes on this because i want to go back right so then you uh were hanging out with him for two years right in new york yeah and then uh when did when was the transition out here did he did he help you with the transition out here or did you just jump for it or what was the deal
2: So I think he did it in It's interesting because he was already retired basically like he was a year out he had just done the the polka king with Jack Black when I had met him mm-hmm. so he was like promoting that but that was his last run of like we're going to promote this. So we were picking up in the group, picking up little bits of what his deal was. Cause he'd be like, I can't do tonight. I got to do Colbert. And you're like, Oh, that's normal. Cause we're all just nobody kids. <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing improv. We're like, okay, cool. Did you think he was
1: crazy at first? Where he's like, I got to do Colbert. And he's like, he's just going to go home and watch Colbert. <laughs> like,
2: well, so I, I think it's, it, it would be a shame not to tell you my initiation into his life because he wasn't guarded in the way that a lot of people guard, It was not, he was not, he was not pretending to be somebody else. Sorry, my yeah.
1: my roommate is brushing his teeth.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like that clip from National Lampoon's The Dog into the Bone. You, there's a consistency, a sense of a consistency between both my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's always some bullshit going on at the same time. <laughs> and Mike is apparently it's trying to clean his tonsils. Leaf blower, <laughs> the, the, the throwing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. the story. The yes.
2: shame. So he he wasn't guarded in the way that a lot of people are guarded. He was very as he should have been uh, secure in who he was and what he had done in his resume and he'd talk about it if you pulled it out of him but it wasn't the thing he comes to you with of like hey you know who I am because he didn't need that why would he and mm-hmm. also I think he was enjoying some of the being anonymous and just like enjoying doing comedy at sort of a pure level where it's unperverted by the business And mm. yeah, so that's where he was like resting but he just didn't want to not be doing some form of comedy and uh, it was not immediate that I knew who he was, and it wasn't even immediate that we knew those things were going on. It was actually uh, when he invited me over to his apartment, and I walked in, and he goes, so this is the Lynch, and there's like a eight-foot painting by David Lynch made for him in there. And I go, "Whoa, what the fuck, Stuart? Yeah. And <laughs> then he goes, you got to see my bed. It's from an opium den. <laughs> So I go into his bedroom and look at his opium den. It's like this really intricately carved thing from like the 1600s or something. He puts like this meditation bowl on my head, starts banging it with a mallet. He's like, I've been messing with meditation because I'm going to die. And I'm just trying to figure things out. He had books about his whole shelf was covered with things processing different philosophies. It was a man who was always looking to fill the hole and also always telling other creatives, you won't do it here. And so he was, uh, he was fighting from the inside and he was trying to talk people out of it. He's like, it's an amazing industry when it's at its most amazing. Uh, but he was about the person he cared about you. And like, he was like, I don't want you to have to go through it if you don't have to go through it. Yeah. And I'm happy to hang out with you and talk to you about it. Yeah. But ultimately like you're going to make your own decisions. And so he left me with some nice introductions to a couple of people that he's like, you guys are like minded. This is the best person for you to know for the broad sense of what you do. But he didn't hand me anything in the sense of like, he's like, I can get you a meeting to talk to somebody and I hope you do something with it because you got the talent. Yeah, Yeah. And I well, I appreciate that. It was still very much. And I appreciate that. You know, maybe he could have made a call to like fit me into a job somewhere and it wouldn't have translated to the next thing at all. It would have just been it wouldn't have been relationship building. It would have just been I got you a gig. Hmm. Hope you get Hmm. another one. Hmm. And that's how a lot of my gigs have been, especially stand up was like I did this huge thing because I lucked into it or I was in the right place, right time. But I don't have the relationships or the networking for anyone to go, I want you to do that again at my thing. Mm -hmm. It was just, hey, nice set, man. And then all the comedians go home and they all are focused on their next gig. And I would sit there and be like, I don't have anything booked because I didn't do this the quote unquote right way. Mm. And so I've done that a few times through improv, through stand up, even animation. Like my network wasn't huge early on. It was all TV people. It was in a space I didn't want to be working in. And only now have I really cracked into a wider net of things I'm interested in. And uh, I'm I'm now just learning how my skills in like TV and stuff contribute to Hollywood, which is there's a lot of things that are the same, but the speed is way different. So when I'm, I'm a quick animator, I'm a quick renderer. I, if you need to change, you have it in a half hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Things that people aren't used to. And so some of those superpowers from those various other industries I've worked in, even haunted house industry, in many ways have contributed to what i'm doing today yeah and your work ethic and and how you process life and all that stuff i think that's important that's cool man crazy fucking adventure i know we've never talked about any of it because you've always said let's save history for the podcast yeah yeah um but yeah it's like weird journey here and i feel like now like this year was Enough and high profile has never been that important to me, and certainly budgets have never found their way to me. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but high profile things are now, it turns out, where I've lacked in networking, and I've never sent a cold email in my life, which is probably me being a bad business person. Mm-hmm. It depends. But, yeah. but I'm finding myself in this word of mouth loop now where people actually will relay me instead of just like, Oh, we worked with this guy one time. It's if the project has a big enough spotlight, people ask that person who made it and then yeah. you get passed on rather mm. than just somebody bragging about you for no reason. Like, yeah. so for me, that was an, I think maybe the only way I could have ever gotten circulated into anything remotely mainstream is b- simply because one person did a thing and another person goes, I want that. Hmm. Mm. And, uh, it's just one of the thousands of ways you can break into anything, but I've just done it by like being consistent and tapping on enough windows and a couple of them broke. Yeah. And, uh,
1: and then you find your, you're also aware, right? You find yourself yeah. at the right place, right time. And you're taking advantage of those moments.
2: Yeah. And I think I'm not a person who can put a ton of energy into everything all the time. So I've been calculated about like where I throw that energy and not like a, not like a social climby way of like oh well i'm only gonna go to this thing because it's gonna have people at it instead it's well i think it will mean a lot to my friend for me to go to this thing with them and i really want to like make sure i'm taking care of that friendship because i don't always have the capacity to take care of that friendship yeah so like show up for important things show up for so it's been a lot of like putting all the energy into showing up for things Mm -hmm. that i think will uh because I just was never, like, growing up, I was not a good friend maker. I was creative people. We would latch on to each other and go, oh, mm-hmm. we get each other. But if it was just, like, the guy I want to hang out with, I was not necessarily the guy people were like, oh, yeah, Nick's here. It was a lot of, like, oh, Nick's here. Why don't I ever see you, man? I'm like, because you didn't invite me to anything. Like, <laughs> like that was growing up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to hear it because you didn't come to our fucking New Year's Eve party. Well, that was because of this other thing, though. That- <laughs> Trust me, my, my family was upset about me working over Christmas too, but when the right phone call comes, you got to I was do like, it. I got that text yeah. you're going,
1: Well, fuck Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you forgave me, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, we love you, buddy. Love Dude, you too. got
0: such a cool journey, like going from t- to tie the the connect the dots between taking a job at a haunted house to all the way to you could even go back further and say like your mom finding interest in haunted houses and how that i don't know roundabout way takes you all the way to doing this work for this presidential interview like that's it's wild that you're even able to see that path you've had in life that clearly and go so this takes me here takes me here takes me here takes me here
2: sure and i try to be gracious about it but i will say especially the presidential thing is uh in 10th uh, grade, in a government class, I had a teacher. This is the only public way I've said it so far, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be petty. My government teacher failed me on a test for drawing all over the margins of a test that I did fine on, but I failed. And it basically was given a hey, I appreciate the creativity, but you can't do this in like real life. You can't just draw all over your papers. It's not a presentable way to do things. Government class, where mm. we talk about presidents. Right. <laughs> and you know who hired me to draw? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay, that's the only time I've been petty about my entire career. Just...
0: Nick, you've got this great story arc happening between the the the, the high school friend. Yeah. The 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 fraud college and the, the the government teacher. Are you saying I have a chip on my
2: shoulder? Because I think oh, you're no. correct. Chips,
3: <laughs>
2: chips, yes, I have chips on my shoulder. A whole can of fucking Pringles on my shoulder. Uh, no, it's. Uh, it, and ultimately that's one of the teachers who at the end of high school probably was like the nicest on my way out about like can you do great things like nothing against her just like a little micro fuck you
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't tame it down i like it violent (laughs) (laughs) um well dude fucking crazy 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 shit uh and I I didn't know half this stuff. Of course yeah. I, I told you
2: not to tell me on this. I mean, we yeah. hung out one night, we got in kind yeah. of deep a little bit, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Do we have time to talk about influencers? Yeah, we can. I mean, we'll go a little longer with you, man. you were enjoying Staying our time, yeah? Cuz there were 2 years of of uh, social media marketing and influencers that uh in the creator economy that uh I think have have spiced all this up for me in 2020, part of my uh, my joblessness was I I I hit something I'm not proud of which is March 2020 I was in LA my wallet was tapped I hadn't even worked a a a minute in LA Mm. when I moved here in September 2019 I had not worked until March 2020 basically I couldn't find anything and uh I was on my last dime and then everything shut down Mm. oh Everything shut down the pandemic. (laughs) And when Donald Trump sent us that $1,200, I didn't have rent for that month before that. (laughs) So I will never say a good thing about the man, except for he paid my rent when I wasn't going to have it. I was probably going to have to move home or something. So right place, right time. (laughs)
1: And <laughs> we just lost half our list. Hey, listen,
2: I I said my piece about how I feel except for there's that one thing I can say. I would not have survived without that check that came through. <laughs> and then two months later, I'm on Facebook, which I'm it already means I'm desperate because it's 2020 and I'm on Facebook. <laughs> and I just put out a thing and I'm like, I will call. I will do overnight call center work. I will do anything. If anyone has any leads for any kind of work, I need to do it. And uh, an old Vine friend, right place, right time, messages me and he's like, hey, uh, I'm doing like a marketing thing and I just need someone to make email lists and send emails for the startup that we have a contract with. And so I was just sending emails from spreadsheets for a minute. And then he has a company pop off called Clash in 2020. That was, it was when they were talking about banning TikTok. Mm -hmm. And there were two apps that popped up as the next TikTok Mm -hmm. and it was Byte and it was Clash. And Clash was Brendan McNerney's company. He was the friend. And uh, so he brought me in to basically just like, their whole deal was we need to get creators here and we need to get them active with the community. And I was one of the people basically recruiting creators and trying to get them in and strategy. I was a strategy consultant. And that turned into eventually, uh, they acquired the other company, Byte and uh, became huddles. And the whole deal was we were trying to get creators paid like other platforms will not. And this ultimately did not work either. Mm -hmm. But I was Mm. part of creator services through here. So there's a two year chunk between animation careers, which is kind of where I'm back now is like animation. And I think it's headed toward more writing and making my own stuff, which will be very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But those two years are influencer parties. ill-advised ones I remember this yes Uh, Yes. uh, every kind of interaction with every kind of influencer strategy of like Learning, learning the algorithms, learning how they change. Yeah, learning. We had
1: a long we talk should. about algorithms one night. Yeah, we sure you, did. you gave me a lot of insight into the algorithm.
2: And it's yeah. a dirty, dirty game. And there's people paying to learn with, how to hack the algorithms. There's, mm. there's people two months ahead of you on what's going to be next, on how to strategize, how to grow. Mm. It's an impossible game to keep up with. So I think it's important for if there's creative people listening to know that like if it feels like you can't keep up, it's because no one can and the only people who are ahead of it are ahead of it because they're either in a pocket or somebody like they're paying some of them some of them are paying Mm. but most of them are just it's uh it's a lot of rumor it's like hey how are you like even Like, even in the Vine days, there were people who, I won't say who because they're very big names and it would be a problem. But, like, there were people who would straight up figure it out that if you report all the things on the popular page and enough people do it, it rips it out automatically and it surges your stuff to the top if you're under them. Dirty, dirty games. Oh, wild. Dirty games. Wild. And uh, that stuff is, like, it's, it's such a bigger world now tiktok is way bigger than that ever was so it's impossible to keep up with any one hack of it and everybody's got different methods and stuff but there's that has not changed those kinds of you know it's oh in the first three seconds you got to have this and then it'll pick up this for your algorithm it's all cheats yeah so don't feel discouraged if your shit's not working you just haven't found the cheat yet yeah yeah it's not that the thing you posted is bad It's just that it's either not on trend, not what's being prioritized. Maybe the AI on Instagram noticed that you don't have any real people because if you've ever, uh, Instagram has this weird, or it did, I don't know if it does now because people busted them, but if you uh, looked at certain uh, source code, you could basically see how it's tagging your stuff and it's super specific. It'll be like, this is a painting of a park bench by a lake. If yeah. it can sense that it's a painting, you're automatically out of the, like, it doesn't care. It wants people's faces. Weird. And I don't know how mm. true that is two years later now, because uh, I've been out of the game on purpose, because I found my career again, and I'm no longer, like, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for those opportunities, and I think they enriched my uh, outlook on creativity in general, and, like, the difference between content and art and how they overlap, Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're very different worlds with very different priorities. Yeah, yeah dude, yeah. But, uh, and, and what we compete with when you are an artist or a creative who, who aspires to pump art into content, even. I'm not gonna say content creation is wrong. Mm-hmm. There's ways to do it your way. But, uh, It's they're two different worlds. You you, to say like, oh my, why don't people care about my art? Well, because the content world doesn't want people to care about art; they want them to care about content. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you got to find the people who care about art.
1: Yeah, it's tough, right? It's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we talked about that too, and there's even with just the podcast and the shows and trying to get people into the shows, and then me learning a lot about how instagram works and then all the like the whole past year of sort of cycling through everything with 12 cam and all that sort of shit and then you start to just realize how fucking rigged the system ultimately is right and the and the even the platform itself rigging it where they're like, No, no, no. We want you to pay us to use our thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we're not showing it like seventy-five percent of your your people. And then you go, Oh yeah, sure, I'll pay them. And then they they still don't show 75% yeah,
2: of this. Mm-hmm. Or they show the same guy five times and make you pay every time. Yeah. And that's like because mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many ads I've seen from people that I actively support. And I'm like, waste of money there. They showed me. Why are they showing me? I already know. Right, and right, right. It's uh you know, it's a it's always been a messed up game. It's just a totally different kind of messed up game now. Yeah. yeah. So even looking like
0: verification, where like it, before they had the process of it. Now it's like now it's a pay to play. <clears throat> so I'm like they're never going to approve now because it's like no. why would I approve you? You just pay for it. Yeah. And then the interesting thing that happens is then that somehow gets flipped into like, does this have value? Because now all the people who were naturally verified are like, oh this is whack. I'm getting rid of my verification because now it just seems like it's being paid for. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm-hmm. so this like weird internal struggle starts to happen. And you go what the fuck can someone just reply to my dm please yeah Mm -hmm.
2: i think uh someday nobody's gonna remember i mean people will but most people won't remember that verification had anything to do with validation from the platform as Mm -hmm. you are a person worth noting Mm -hmm. that happened i watched that happen on vine which was also twitter and the verification the birth of verification was a game of you're getting knighted by an app the app is saying this is somebody to pay attention to. It It was always under the, well, because you are a person people might want to impersonate. And that was always the case you could make to try to be verified. But it ultimately was like a nighting where people were like, why did that guy get verified Mm -hmm. and I didn't? Mm -hmm. And it was slowly getting handed out to people. And then it opened up to, you can submit for it and you'll never hear back. And Mm -hmm. then it opens up to whatever. Every time those gates opened, we got further from, would it if it had just been about what it was supposed to be about from the beginning mm-hmm. I don't know that pay to play would have been the worst thing it might have mm-hmm. just been a security you buy mm-hmm, like yeah. hey like do you want to make sure people know this is you because we started with vanity mm-hmm. it's really hard to let go of what that used to mean yeah. and unfortunately because we're still so close to that meaning somebody someone's going to respond to your dm because you're verified because they go oh my god they're verified this but yeah, also much, yeah. because that's subconscious now from what it was before but ultimately like it's probably healthy for people to go like, i don't care if you're verified like that to me yeah. is a good as far as like societal values go mm-hmm. yeah let that not mean shit mm-hmm. right. like that i'm glad you can't buy status mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for you now you can a little bit
1: yeah right 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 yeah. Yeah. i mean the way I've used it, because I, I was verified naturally prior yeah. to it. And what the, what that did is that changed things for me overnight as yeah. far as me getting people on the show, mm-hmm. as far as me talking to folks. Mm-hmm. Because then not only do they see a DM that shows up with someone that was verified, but also my comments that I would comment on their stuff, the verified stuff would jump to the top of the yep. comments. So like, mm. it was an easy way for me. To get in touch with guests and folks that that happen, and now you have all these verifications that are like I'll, I'll see a bunch of maybe like forty verification comments in my thing, and I'm always like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I click on it, and I'm like, all right, so he's got like three thousand followers. Sure, so he purchases his verification,
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and great. he could honestly, he could have bought the three thousand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you can buy
2: ten thousand. You can buy fifty thousand.
1: I get those all the time.
2: Of course, I get those
1: mm-hmm. all the fucking time, yeah. and like I'm like hounded by them. They mm-hmm. just swarm me like we noticed that you're not getting as many likes as you need to get and yeah. like these fucking dudes. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I know you're in a room in India and there's a wall covered with iPhones yeah. and you guys are just going to go through the process of liking my shit. And,
0: and you, you see it all. a lot with actor pages too where there's a ton, like somebody had like 20 30,000 followers. And I'm like...
2: And they all want to know about your skincare routine, sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Ah. <laughs> but I think it's like, but was that? Is that just because of what the game is that like it got to a place where social media influencing at one point was a gateway into the acting world. And so then right before they get their way into sports. So then you go, okay, well, if you are trying to be this serious actor, you go, well, fuck, how do I compete with that? Because Mm -hmm. this person has naturally grown this thing. And so they're getting more attention, more love, more auditions. Oh, fuck. Okay. So I got to, well, I could just pay for this. All Mm -hmm. right. And Mm -hmm. then you do that. But then it's like,
1: yeah, but this comes back to what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I spent years because of the podcast and because I knew that I needed an, a, a, an outlet where I can advertise this show mm-hmm. because people need to know about it. And that was the thing. So I spent fucking years building the followers and building the people that are mm-hmm. on my thing. And yeah. it, it like prior to 12 cam going viral, it took me years to get to 40,000 like yeah. legitimate people that were giving mm-hmm. a fuck. And then when the shit went viral, then it went off the top. But out of that time period, I could probably rattle off on the top of my, uh, in one hand, the amount of like big connections that I made, like connections that go beyond like, hey, do you wanna be on the show? Yeah, I'll be on the show. Connections that went beyond like, hey, uh, maybe we should go have beer someday. Yeah, maybe we'll go have beer someday. Mm -hmm. But I've had more success just going out. yeah, Like doing the harder thing, Mm -hmm. which is going to the bar, going to someone's screening, going to a comedy show, like uh, I wouldn't know Rick Darge if Gina didn't go to a comedy show and make yeah. a connection with Rick. I wouldn't know uh, half these folks, and and so I think that what Instagram and what social media promises you is that it's the same thing, if not better. It's an easier way to put yourself in the right place, at the right time, without having to put yourself really on the line. You don't. Yeah. You can. You can manicure and you can sort of edit the way you're engaging with people. Mm -hmm. You can manicure your physical appearance. You can manicure all of this sort of stuff and present yourself in your perfect world. And I think what they're overlooking here is that it's the imperfections. It's the inability to control the situations you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. It's being able to do what you do, which is saying, hey, look, I've got backup plans on how to get my way out of a situation that is awkward, and I'm going to learn from it and find it enjoyable. It's having all those elements that make... Going and physically hanging out with people more powerful Mm -hmm. than just going, like
2: sure, yeah, well, well, and I think just on like a broader sense of like avenues in is just like it also depends on at what level you want to be doing things. Like I'm sure the guy color grading like the new Indiana Jones, like probably a more standard path than I have done because Mm -hmm. to get there you have to be you have to a know the equipment, know you have to you have to know way more about that process specifically than like a multi-hyphenate can't just jump into that kind of a role. Right. And if you're working on, you know, like, I don't want to say if you're working on just like almost like micro projects or helping people out, doing favors, jumping into like lower budget things, doing artsier projects, it's a very different path and you may or may not, you, if you're ha- like I'm happy in that zone. Mm-hmm. If that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing day to day, day to day, I'm much happier than if I was color grading Indiana Jones. Bless that job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause it's a different path. Yeah. But like the, even writers, like it, when I've, when I've sat in like rooms with writers, not write, Formal writers rooms, but like the way they talk about writing is like almost like a collegiate level of like well when you're screenwriting your acts have to be this way like it's a different it's a, it's a science to some people who have studied it like science mm-hmm. and then there's me who goes well I think I'd be miserable in a writer's room where I have to write for commercial breaks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's other ways like uh, I sat in for a, a screening earlier this year for uh, Eric Andre season 6 and I just got to sit in there and basically be a test audience of like is are these bits working mm. and it was super fascinating because his process is more frantic than anything you would get from almost any other show of like, well, this isn't funny. Let's just kill this whole bit. This would be funny if we edited it funny and this needs funny music and this needs a funny cut before that. Everything is being chosen to be funny. Every choice is like, well, maybe this isn't like the best video editor way to do it, but it is the way that this guy thinks it's funny. Mm -hmm. And so whether his humor is your humor or not, I think it's important to know that someone making stuff like he makes is every choice is so perfectionist uh, like calculated Mm -hmm. and it's not something that could happen in a normal house. Mm -hmm. It's not something that like, honestly, some people would be like, you might even, if you're used to a certain process would be like, this isn't how you do any of this shit. Sure. Yeah. He's the crazy person now. So he gets to well, like make that decision. Yeah. And it's, you can either choose to like be angry at the inconvenience of a change, or you can appreciate the level up of like, Oh, actually this is way funnier now. Or Mm -hmm. even if it's not funnier, at least it's closer to that person's vision. And as a person working under them, that's your job to fulfill their vision. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to try and get your own shit in, it might pay off. Mm -hmm. They might go "Hey, This is awesome. Or they might Mm -hmm. go, who's trying to sneak all this shit into my thing. Like, (laughs) this isn't a joke Mm -hmm. I wrote. Like that's not something that happened there, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an appreciation for a different kind of production. And mm-hmm. for me, that was a huge refresh to see that process because I was so afraid of like the collegiate writers and like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be in this room full of like, I'm just trying to write some jokes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't right. think I could make a show until I saw somebody make a show a different way. I go, Oh, that's right. There's no rules here. There's no rules. Yeah. As long as everyone agrees that there's no rules. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in certain spaces you get to make those agreements and those are the places that are like sometimes more fun to work in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in those spaces. Again, you probably have to go to like screenwriter school to like do anything remotely polished. That is like, I don't.
1: To a certain extent. To, yeah. To a certain extent. I think that, I think that, that our, our business is chaos. Yeah. Like our business is fucking chaos. Yeah. And I think there are so many people that get thrust into this like tornado that mm-hmm. is our business, yeah. that they're like, this is too too chaotic. There has to be a sense of rules. Right. There has yeah. to be a sense of structure. And so you start to see people building structure, mm-hmm. whether it's like screenwriting or on set, block, light, shoot. Like you have all these rules that sort of show up because they're like, without these fucking rules, of course. Mm-hmm. we're burning through cash. Yeah. And ultimately that's what it comes down to. is like, we're just burning money. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be some sort of formula that's in place. So then... I, I, I understand your mindset here, and this may be going too much into our other shows, so I'll, I'll control it, but I understand the idea of, like, fitting into, like, a, a three-act structure. I don't like the idea of, like, having to fucking, like, sandwich in some fucking, like, social issue right. just to get this fucking thing going. Like, it's just, like, I know what's scary, and I want to make a, something that's fucking scary. The only way I'm ever going to be able to do that is if I prove to the money people mm-hmm. that I know how, know what the fuck I'm doing. Almost like when the, you did your animations where they sit there and they go, just do it. Yeah. And then you have to do that and then it has to be successful. It has to be good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it has to make the money right. that they come back and they go, oh, keep doing that. And as long as you're doing that and it's making some money, then you're allowed to do that. Right. You're allowed to be that crazy guy at the top.
2: But the smallest bruise and they go, we're never doing this again. We're never again. doing this yeah. again, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah so it's it's fascinating in Mm. general but uh anyway we should probably wrap because we we went over but
2: for good reason you're a great guest no thanks i'm not a normal guest on things because again i just sort of like snake my way through my whole path but when somebody wants to talk to me about it
1: i'm suddenly i have all this shit to say well, it sounds like you might be a regular. Well, I will have to have you back on, and then I have to have you on the other show because I had to catch my tongue multiple times because I was ready to go off on some tangents, which were more in love with the process. Sure. Well,
2: if it, if it helps your uh, security at all, I am in love with the process, the so fuck. I'd love to talk about it someday. <laughs> and, I, and there's a lot of processes, too. You can ask me about any of the processes. I got them all.
0: We'll have to find the right place, right time for that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i
2: love that i love that the marketing
0: for this just like gets to regurgitate itself (laughs)
1: um well nick man thank you for being on the show much appreciated dude thanks bro
2: hey thanks for having me i've had a lot of fun yeah Yeah. us
1: too man it was a great conversation and um like uh interesting to hear your right place right time moments
2: yeah there's a thousand of them just keep your eyes open
1: yeah Smart, man. And and I like, I think the thing that I took away the most in this conversation is, is I, I just like your fearlessness sort of going into these things now where you're really not front loading it with much.
2: Yeah, I don't know where it's going, but it's because honestly, and maybe I should have said this earlier, is like my goal, whole goal out of college was someday I want to make something because I was just a graphic designer. I was making logos and shit. I was like, someday I want to make something and see it in public. That'll be pretty cool. And then I got hired at a news station and then day one something was on TV and I went, well, there's my fucking goal. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, it's all just, I've just been riding it now and now, now I'm just trying to see how much I can escalate it and ramp it up. And yeah. I'm like, will they let me do this? All right, okay, somebody's letting me do this. So it's, you know, I'm no longer chasing the dragon. Now I'm riding the dragon.
0: Nice, dude. If you could talk to yourself at the when, when at the time that you went into the um, the TV station job, what's one bit of advice you would give
2: yourself? Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing. So I'd probably just be like, "Don't worry, you'll leave." Yeah. That's it. That's it. Don't worry, you'll leave and you'll do other cool stuff. Way cooler.
1: Oh man, I think that man. I think this is a good way to end the show. Thanks for being here,
0: buddy. Of course. Thanks, Lance. So I gotta say, you're welcome.